Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Izzy again. Hello. And of, and of course, I'm, I'm Caitlin. Hi, Izzy. Before we start to get into the topic of today, I wanted to ask you first, how was your week? Oh, my week. How was my week? Quite um, chaotic, to be, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I shipped all my member paints. Yay, they're finally out the door. <laughs> um, but now I have to think about... Uh, the next member paints and we have my uh, pre-order paints that I need to finish but because of the weather lately it started raining again and then all my paints started to get sticky again so really it hasn't rained here at all really it hasn't but it's been really cold yeah it is has been really cold but here we had some rain Mm. only at night which was quite annoying um, so I came back every morning to check on my paints and then poof, they were super sticky. Ah. Um, yeah, so it's quite, quite chaotic. How was your week? So I have a very busy week this week because I have three and a half drink and draws. Whoa. Yeah, so it's been like, I was like, I knew I had Sketch Monday this Monday, which is in Utrecht. Uh, and that's once a month. And then I have Sketch Tilburg, which is something I'm hosting, which is going to oh. be on Thursday. And then I have like a new sketch group that I was invited to and I've never been there. And they are doing their first session on Friday in Utrecht again. And then yesterday I also went like to just to go figure out where we would go with Sketch Tilburg. So I went there and took some pictures And uh, two people ended up joining me. So there was like another sketch session that we didn't Ah, really plan. That was my question. What do you mean with and a half? (laughs) Yeah. But that sounds super fun. Yeah, it is. And we brought Doko yesterday. So we we are finally teaching him to run next to the bike. So we took him to the city running next to the bike. so cute. Yeah. He's so adorable. So lots of drawing. And that's uh, that's a lot of fun. I don't really have time for a lot else. (laughs) Talking about drawing, um, do you use mixed media or do you use one kind of media? Uh, I'm I'm very, very mixed media. Really? Yeah, I put all my uh, supplies over my whole desk. I recently made this. Let me... uh, So I'm showing this huge box that got all my pencils and markers. And uh, it's probably making a lot of noise, sorry. But I prepared this like this week. I'm putting it back. If you're watching on YouTube, you should see my face right now because that case, <laughs> that case is amazing. Yeah, it's great. Actually, I was looking for this like a really long time and then I couldn't find it. And this is my only AliExpress. My only thing I bought on AliExpress because I couldn't find it anywhere else. So I bought it. Can you, can you describe it for everyone who's not watching? Yeah, it's just like a, a really big box that has, uh, I think, 48 little, uh, how, t- how is it called? Like little places to put your pencils in. And then mm-hmm. in each box, you can fit like 10 pencils. Wow. So it could possibly fit like 480 pencils. That I only got it like a quarter filled with pencils because I don't have that many pencils. Uh, but yeah, I p- just put my pens in there and then I have my alcohol markers and my water-based markers. And uh, this way I just have all these sketching supplies mm-hmm. that I can just grab here and then layer on top of whatever gouache or watercolor I'm working with. 
so yeah, I, I am really mixed media. I love that you have so many different kinds of art supplies. Which brings me to my question. I've got a question for you. This is a question I got from someone in my DMs. Yeah. And I thought this is perfect to ask Caitlin because I know you were, you're using a lot of different textures and, 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 and media. But have yeah. you ever, have you ever been influenced to buy a product, buy an art supply, and you just had to have it? You bought it. You use it maybe once and never again. <laughs> yeah. So I hate acrylic paint because it's, uh, I feel like acrylic paint is like a waste mm -hmm. uh, because you always use too much of the paint and then you have leftovers that you cannot use anymore. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you forget your brushes, you ruin your brushes <laughs> if you don't clean them properly. So I hate acrylic paint. I don't use it. Mm -hmm. Um But when I was just starting to learn gouache, I had like, I was so frustrated with gouache reactivating. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, acrylic gouache. That's so cool. So I bought acrylic gouache. And that's, you of course, acrylic gouache. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the same as oh. acrylics. And I think I opened one tube to swatch it. Yeah. And then I. Ever since that, I've been scared to open them because I'm scared that they will dry out, like I because it's acrylics that. and then it's yeah. a waste. So oh. I bought those and I can and I'm also with like I have all these watercolor brushes and stuff and I don't really mm -hmm. want to use something don't like use acrylics. Mm -mm, don't no. use those. <laughs> so I have this box with uh, acrylic gouache. Uh, I'm going to give them to a friend of mine. I already know who I'm going to give it to. Good. I'm not going <laughs> to use them. <laughs> But yeah, I, I opened one yellow. <laughs> That's all I used. That is indeed such a... I did not expect this answer. <laughs> But it's true. Acrylic is just... If, you, if you're not into acrylic and you have... It's a struggle to use. I agree. Uh, it is such a waste. It is such a waste. So for most of the art supplies that I buy and then don't like, uh, I actually have this now and then. Um I usually try them after like a few months or a few years again. And then mm -hmm. I end up finding a way to use them that I like. Uh, can I give one more answer? I, I know one thing that also sure has happened to me. Okay. Uh, when people online are really raving about a cheap supply mm -hmm. and I try it mm -hmm. and I already have like a better supply. For example, the Himi Maya gouache. I am used... Yeah, yeah, that one, exactly. She's uh, showing it. So I am used <laughs> to Holbein gouache. I have used like Schminke, uh, the, the professional gouache, and Holbein gouache, and that is... I love such, Holbein gouache. Such nice paints. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the Himi Maya gouache, they're not bad, but if you're used to Holbein gouache, then it's I just... No, exactly step down. Yeah. Yes. This so is actually the answer to my own question. It's the Himi gouache. Everybody yeah. was raving about it. I had to have it. I reactivated these maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't even. I reactivated these more than I actually used them. Yeah. Because I keep trying it and then it gets streaky and frustrated. And they, they say they dry even and flat. But these don't. Yeah. 
And it's just, oh, it's a pain in the butt. But I had to have it. And also, it's not like I work a lot on location, like I just said. I have Mm -hmm. like so many drink and draws this week. And I don't really want to take this whole box with me, but you can't really take out a little bit and use it later. And with the whole bank wash, like the tubes are not that big. I just bring my tubes. Yeah, it's so easy. And plus, you and I are both a kind of person that um, uses the gouache on their palette, let it dry, and then not washing the palette, just reusing it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes when I go out and I don't even have to bring my tubes, I just bring my full palette. Yeah, I bring my full palette and then maybe watercolors. And mm-hmm. I actually take like one uh, of the Talens cups, you know them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that with the fresh paint in them. So mm-hmm. I bring only white because white, I feel like if you don't have it fresh, it's yeah. really hard to reactivate, reactivate it. So I, yeah. I just bring like fresh white paint in a little pot. Mm-hmm. And then I have the other colors most likely just on my palette. Or I'll just yeah, exactly. use some watercolor to mix it with. I actually also have been using the Holbein pen set. I don't know if you've heard of it. Ooh. Uh, and it's like 24... So it's dried. Like you're using watercolor. Oh, the cakes. The round cakes. Yeah, the cakes. The mm-hmm. round cakes. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been really happy with them. They activate quite nicely. I think I saw that in one of your stories. Yeah, and then I said, like, in my stories, I said, like, oh, I am happily surprised by they are actually quite good. I expected them to be bad. And then the shop shared my story and was like, I guess (laughs) happily surprised is a good answer. And I was like, oh, my God, I was complaining. (laughs) (laughs) So that was quite funny. It's always good to have someone who is like a bit skeptic about a product having a good experience. Yeah. But they are, of course, not as good as using your fresh Holbein paints. But they are really portable. And that's what I like about them. Yeah, I like those too. This is great. Awesome. All right. So uh, I think it's time we get into the topic. Yes. Which is production versus artistry. Production versus artistry. And this is actually really nice to talk about materials like this, because, of course, mm-hmm. uh, something that is going on in a lot of artists' minds is like the quality of the products that you use and if you're making sellable art. Yeah. Because if, you're, uh, if you want to make like a lot of products to sell, then maybe you don't want to buy the most expensive art supplies because you're using a lot. But also, if you're making things to sell, you want to give a high quality. So you, like, with light fastness and stuff, you really want the good stuff. Yeah, especially if you sell originals. Like, I think if you if you go for prints, then maybe you don't have to have the best of the best because they're prints anyway. Mm-hmm. But at the other hand, you don't want to do a lot of digital... Um, edits yeah and i really feel like i often make my best work when i'm using my cheapest art supplies because i feel like i can just work freely and don't care about the result and just try new things and then when it's finished it's on cheap paper with like the crappy pencils i feel And then what I usually do is still, I make prints about it. I just scan it in and clean it up and I'll sell the prints. But I never 
have original artwork that I want to sell because it's never on good paper with good materials. It's the, the it's it's the pressure of you don't want to screw up good material on your bad artist day. Like everyone is having everybody is having bad days and you don't want to use for me at least. I don't want to use expensive stuff on bad days. I don't want to experiment new styles with expensive stuff. <laughs> I don't want to waste my expensive paper for my crappy sketches you know it's (laughs) yeah and it's really bad because i know we both have a lot of expensive art supplies (sighs) more than we can probably use in the next five years yeah and then we're not using it because we are scared to ruin it yeah and i'm and i'm and i'm Every year I tell this to myself, okay, this is the year I'm going to use all my paper and, uh, you know, finish them first. Also my expensive papers and blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, I still didn't. I, I, well, I do use my paper now for swatches for my paints. Mm -hmm. So I use the expensive paper mostly because like, for for example, arches paper, Mm -hmm. a lot of people have, Arches gold press paper. So I think my swatches should be swatched on that paper too. Uh, so it's a more of a realistic uh, view of my paints. Um, but for my own artwork, it's like um, I feel sometimes that my artwork level is not uh, worth the paper, you know? And it should uh. be, it should be different. It should be my I this paper should be lucky to have my artwork on it. Yeah, and it's like the paper is made to make the process so much more enjoyable. Right. But it just feels like... uh, So today I went out to draw in a new cafe that opened in town Mm, uh, because I wasn't going out to draw enough yet this week. And (laughs) I only brought my expensive sketchbook. I have been drawing in my cheap sketchbook the whole week and I've been really enjoying it. I've been having a blast. I'm filling so many pages, trying out so many new things. And then today I was like, okay, I've been using this cheap sketchbook and I've been carrying my expensive sketchbook, Mm -hmm. but I haven't used it. So today I'm only taking my expensive sketchbook. So now my question is, what is your expensive sketchbook? (laughs) It's the uh, Hanne Mule... 100% 100% cotton sketchbook. Oh, that it's, one. Uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I think, 20 by 20 centimeters. I got a square one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like 32 euros for 26 pages, something like that. Yeah, that's... That's pretty I, pricey. It's probably my most expensive sketchbook that I have. Isn't and the I, sketchbooks more expensive? Well, I bought the Etcher, uh Lab sketchbook... Like a while back, they were a little bit cheaper back then, oh. and I bought like three at the same time, and then you also oh, yeah. get them cheaper. The bundle, yeah. The yeah. bundle is like a lot cheaper, cheaper than getting mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but definitely, I just looked at the site today actually, and the the Etcher Lab sketchbooks, if you get them now like separately, mm-hmm. the normal one they have with two hundred thirty GSM paper mm-hmm. is forty euros, yeah. and they. Also have like their signature series, which is like seventy euros. I haven't tried I those. No, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> but that's also one of the art supplies that keeps calling me. Like I want to have it. I want to have it. I want to have it. <laughs> but I got a lot of sketchbooks already. <laughs> yeah, 
that's actually one sketchbook that I was looking at and I was like, okay, maybe in like a few years, but like I, I cannot draw in this. And I, I think it's not even <laughs> it's not even there at your it's not even their own paper. I think they use Fabrino. Really? In their their perfect sketchbook. They can see the, perf- the perfect sketchbook and the signature blah mm-hmm. blah blah sketchbook. And I think they're both using uh, Fabrino paper. So then I thought, because I remember, I was thinking, if they are using Fabrino paper, maybe I can just get Fabrino paper. Yeah, I also want to get into uh, binding my own sketchbooks uh, later in this year and then mixing up the paper. And then I was like, maybe I can do like uh, that I have a couple of pages of cheap paper and then I can do my sketches in there and then I can go to the uh, expensive paper in the same sketchbook and then do my like more finished paintings there. Uh, so that's something that I have in mind because I have a lot of good paper and I mostly work in sketchbooks. So maybe I just want to take my really good paper and use it to make a sketchbook. Yeah. Um, so what I also wanted to talk about, like this week I've been really inspired by, I, I know I talk a lot about um, Sandy Esther. I talked about, uh, I talked about last time. Um, I don't know if it's in the last podcast, but I've talked to you about Sandy Hester, Mm -hmm. that she makes like very, very quick sketches in her sketchbook and she throws all the mixed media stuff on there. And I've talked about Art Chu, who really likes to make wonky art. And I've been trying to loosen up with my art and telling myself that loose sketches are also like art and worth Mm -hmm. making. Because... Mm -hmm. I think that's something because we've both been, both been to an art school mm-hmm. and something that is like a really, really big point for a lot of people is what is worth making? What is real art? <laughs> what is real art? And <laughs> that really brings up the question, like if you're just making a silly little picture, is that art? Is that even worth doing how do you feel about it uh, frustrated i feel very frustrated yeah (laughs) because because what does society define a piece of real art right Mm -hmm. Uh, is mona lisa art sure of course uh what's the oh gosh what's the design shoot i forgot but if you look at most like old painters that did like a lot of portrait paintings in like commission for rich families, mm-hmm. that's like really commercial. Um, Definitely. And there's a lot of people that say your commercial art isn't art. Because then suddenly if you're doing it for your job, then people see it as like, not worth as much as art that's made from the soul to bring out like deep meaning and stuff. Yeah, that exactly that. Um, plus, I think people are are living in this weird kind of limbo that art should be super expensive in order to be art. You know, yeah. you can you can make a a big piece. Uh, abst- for example, abstract art. Abstract art is a um, 
is a skill that not a lot of artists have. Um, for example, my husband just sees splashes of paint on a canvas and someone else would see, uh, they, they would feel something. They, it brings up emotion and it brings the whole room together and it's beautiful in your interior, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but for example, if Noah does the same thing, it's not art. It's a baby who just splashes his paint on a canvas. But when yeah. a big name does it and there's a price tag of $1 million or 1 million euros, then it's art. Yeah, that that's definitely something that you hear a lot, that you see the abstract art and that people say, yeah, my, my niece of two years old can do the same. Yeah. And it's... Uh, so I go to Musea quite often mm-hmm. um, because in the Netherlands we have this little card that you can buy um, and if you buy that card you can go to every Musea in the Netherlands a whole year for free. Yeah, it's so a yeah, card, right? Yeah, you are buying it for like 50 euros or something mm-hmm. and then if you go to one Musea the ticket usually is around 15 euros. Mm-hmm. So if you go to three or four Musea in a year you already get uh, enough value out of your card. So that card yeah. is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to quite a lot of musea. And if I walk through a big, big museum and I see the abstract art, like 99% of the time, I also feel like, ah, this isn't really doing it for me. I cannot see the skill that went into this. Mm-hmm. and I don't really understand why this is here well a lot of my favorite artists aren't really deemed artists by this museum mm-hmm. and then sometimes I go to like the museum of Volkenkunde in Leiden oh, which has like museum. old folk uh, just like stuff stuff mm-hmm. from like old cultures or stuff from other cultures not mm-hmm something that we are used to and a lot of the old clothing that's in there. And I walk around and I get so excited and inspired to draw. And is that art? Like it's just the stuff that was in those cultures, but it's Mm -hmm. beautiful and it's inspiring and it tells Mm -hmm. stories. So to me, that's also like, that's to me, that's art too. Yeah. Even yeah. if it was not made with the purpose to be art, which no. the big abstract paintings definitely were. Exactly. And I think that is also what makes art very beautiful, is that art is very, very personal. Yeah. Someone, I could, I could see a painting and cry because it's so beautiful. And someone else would look at me and be like, it's just colors on a canvas. <laughs> And also, it's, like, it is, uh, I think somebody at the Art Academy once said to me that the best art is the art that, like, if, if your art is meant for everyone, then it's not good art. If you're trying to please everyone. Yeah, that's true. I think that's true. And I think there is a truth in that. If you're just making yeah. stuff to really t- try and please everyone around you, then that's not art. But if I make like a sticker of a cute dog, Mm -hmm. who doesn't love cute dogs? I mean, quite a lot of people don't like dogs, but 
Then I cat still feel people. cat people cat don't pe- like dogs. <laughs> oh, but I love cats too. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're rare. You like both. Yeah, but I do. I do want to own a dog, and I don't really want to own the cats. <laughs> Every time I, I'm around cats, I'm like my my dog is like a lot more fun to have than right. This cat. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, if I make like a cute dog sticker, mm-hmm. is that art? But that's a whole, maybe that's a whole different conversation entirely because our, the stickers, I think it's art because I I like art as stickers, but mainstream society is, are stickers art? Maybe not. Um, You know, when you buy a frame in Ikea and it already has like a drawing in it or a piece of, or flower drawing or whatever, you buy it for the frame, but the piece inside, is that art? It has been made by someone. It has been made by someone, just like the stickers. Yeah. So it's I like, think, yeah, it's art. I would sometimes I would walk through IKEA and you, I would buy a frame. I'm like, I like the piece that's already in it. Maybe I'll just hang it up. And that leaves like uh, I I think that if you're buying prints, then you are buying like. Uh, a, a picture of the artwork or if you're buying a sticker you are buying a picture of the artwork mm-hmm. but it doesn't really feel like the real artwork if you're if you look really close at like an oil painting and you see all the brush strokes and stuff oh, it's beautiful that's like that's for me the real piece and then if you go to the museum shop and buy like buy a the post- print buy yeah. the postcard then i can still really appreciate it and i can look at the card and feel like oh that's amazing but that that doesn't feel like the art piece but wait i i understand what you're saying but does that also mean that your own prints are not really art yeah that that's how i feel like the the prints uh-huh. that i sell are more like if i get one of my own prints and they get all crumbled up because I didn't store them properly. I won't feel sad about a print that got oh, lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if your original got crumbled, it would But be if bad. my yeah. original got crumbled, I might feel really bad. Yeah. But then I've been thinking about it like this. But then it comes to the question, what about digital art? Ah, that was my same next question. What about digital art? Yeah, because I really respect digital artists and what they mm-hmm. make is truly art. Oh, it's amazing. And actually, this has been the main reason that I haven't gone further into digital art is I want to have the the physical artwork in my hands. I want to have like the real piece. And if I'm working digitally, it doesn't feel like a real piece to me. And I can Mm. recognize that it's art and that it takes skill and that people can make amazing things. Mm -hmm. But it's still... yeah. Yeah, it's it's like really weird. Now I understand. Like you put so many hours in it, and then it's in the end of the day, it's just pixels on a screen. And maybe you post it on Instagram, maybe you don't. But basically, everyone can take a screenshot of it, and you can put the two together, and they look exactly the same. Yeah, other than pixel quality, they look the same. Yeah. And an original art piece, you cannot, you cannot simply print screen the brush strokes the texture of the paint the texture of the paper 
and it also for me, yeah for me like creating art something that is really important to me is to have this all these beautiful art supplies that are interacting with each other on the page and um the feeling of oh i'm getting like two different tubes of color and i'm mixing them together to get like the perfect color that i want to use and this whole feeling and process of making art is also like really important to me and with digital art it's just like it's it's not the same maybe if there comes a software where you can pick the <laughs> colors with tubes or something i don't know you have a dope fresco but it wasn't really it no it's not it's not the same no yeah digital art but then then you yeah art goes m- further than just paint or digital um architecture is mm-hmm. a form of art i think yeah Something that we used to say a lot at uh, the illustration section of the art school that I went to is, um, are we really artists or are we more entertainers? Or are we content creators or are we makers? (laughs) That is a good question. And if you're looking at us, because we both have like an art-related business. And Mm. often when I'm planning what I'm going to draw, I also think about the products that I want to make. Mm -hmm. And that definitely influences me in the type of work that I make. Um, And then it really feels like, okay, but if I'm making like these big paintings that I'm just making because I want to make like a notebook design or I want to make a print out of it, then is it production or is it just like, do you get where I'm going that if it's not the same feeling and deep meaning into the artwork as Mm -hmm. that a lot of, uh, modern artists are are doing with the big paintings and stuff mm-hmm. or with like making paintings that are really shocking to create like emotion with the viewer and what I'm doing is just like I want to make a cute notebook design then I feel f- very conflicted whether my work is art and whether or not I actually care if it's not art but aren't we circling back now to art cannot satisfy everyone like if you have if you can sell your notebook or sell your art to everyone who loves cute doggos um haven't you accomplished the goal already of course it's art to me it's art because i love cute doggos okay but then often i feel like my own work is not art (laughs) yeah and that's that's hard because that's a piece of imposter syndrome, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It's just, I, I remember we talked about uh, you wanting uh, to create art that has an impact on the world and do good and all those amazing things. Um, and, and maybe cute drawing cute doggos makes a lot of people happy. Uh, but maybe not on the scale that you want it to be. And maybe that's why it doesn't 
feel like art. Yeah, maybe. Like if you make a really big, impactful piece about climate change and it gets mm. in all the big musea and it gets in the news and everybody is like, yeah, this artist is right. We need to change climate. We need to change how we view the climate and we need to better the world. Then you feel like, yeah, I've made it as an artist. Do you know um, Stuart Temple? Uh, I recognize the name, but I'm not sure. He's uh, he's an he's an artist, and um, he made he was one of the first who made the world's blackest black paint. Oh, um, not actually the first one. The first one was a guy named Anish Kapoor. Yeah, I think his name. Yeah, was. I... and he uh, licensed the Venta Black, I think it's called, mm -hmm. uh, to be only used by him. Stuart Temple was like, hey, uh, that's not fair to everyone and every artist in the whole world. I'm going to make my own Blackest Black in the world and I'm going to sell it to everyone in the world except Anish Kapoor. I thought he so, made the pinkest pink. Also, yeah, he made the pinkest <laughs> pinks, the bluest blue. Uh, <laughs> he made the the goldest gold, in, in my opinion, my gold is the goldest gold, but okay... And uh, <laughs> he also made, I think, the whitest white recently. Um, but he made like this huge impact on the world because it's not fair that this guy is doing that. So I'm making it available for everyone to have at a cost. <laughs> yeah. But he got he got in every paper, not every paper, but he got in a lot of paper. He got published. Uh, I think some of his work is in uh, featured in some museums even just because he changed uh, the world in that kind of way. Yeah. And if you look at like uh, what he does, of course, yeah. the the the, the um, how do you say it? Like, nothing changes about the way that he's working. No. Whether he made, a, he made the blackest black for himself mm. or he used it as a statement. Exactly. Like, the process is exactly the same whether you make a beautiful landscape painting or whether you make a beautiful landscape painting and tell a story about the world dying. Exactly. <laughs> And then maybe one is art and one is a hobby. Maybe, maybe. But circling back to your uh, cute doggo pictures, mm -hmm. I remember you telling me about uh, you're working yeah, on yeah. a zine, right? Yeah, so I'm working on a scene of how we adopted <laughs> our dog. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, first of all, I wanted to make scenes. That's one, one reason. But also I saw that the uh, organization that we adopted Doggo from uh, actually has like a fundraiser at this point because they need to move and they don't have the money to do so. So I thought that maybe if I would make a zine, I could raise some money for the organization so that they can help more dogs. Mm -hmm. And then it, uh, it changes the way that you look at the things that you're making. It, it, it really changes the way that you look at your own work. And it also is like you're, even if you're not making a really big change and uh, making all the war in the world stop and, and uh, getting rid of all the terrorists, I'm just saying something, 
you're still making a change. Like my boyfriend said recently that he likes to pick up the trash that people go uh, throw into the bushes when we walk with the dog. So he would mm-hmm. go around, pick up the trash, throw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would take like plastic bags to carry all the trash with us in the forest. And then we can awesome. throw it away at home. And uh, he said like, okay, but this uh, getting, taking the trash, it's not really making a big change. It's not going to change the entire world, but it's still making a little change. And that's yeah. also important. And if mm-hmm. everybody would make little changes, then everything together is like a really big change. Yeah, exactly. And that's definitely something we can do as individual artists. Yes, that is exactly my point. I, I understand that a lot of us want to make an impact with our art. Um, but baby steps. If every artist does something good with their art, then we as all artists did something amazing. And of course you can make like an art piece that shows dog dogs suffering or shows that <laughs> dogs are living on the street. And maybe that's one way that some artists would make like a difference that they are making people aware of this problem. And then maybe I don't want to make that kind of work and I'm just making like cute or funny dogs and I'm raising money and I'm telling the story behind it. Yeah. But my artwork is like very cutesy and not that heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's like... Sometimes I feel like in order to be a real artist, I need to make like really heavy pieces that show all the terrors in the world. But I really get, I feel depressed when I'm making depressing things. But why do you think that sometimes? That you need to have dark pieces to make an impact? Uh, Probably because a lot of artists have been telling me that. Like, uh, maybe this sounds stupid because I do know, like, a lot of really great artists that don't make really dark art. But Mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of what the musea are showing from newer artists, like modern artists, they are showing a lot of people who have a really, um, who have really heavy work. Like, we see a lot of work that is like futuristic and talks about all the dangers of technology mm-hmm. but we have not a lot of work that shows how cool and awesome technology can be i think it's also a western thing and i understand what you mean like uh, do you know the national geographic photography uh, awards or prize um the 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 picture that always wins is either kids in war kids in a burning house i'm just saying something Mm -hmm. kids or last a couple of years ago when um uh refugees were going on a boat to greece and the boat sank there were like bodies um, washing ashore and the press took pictures of it and that one picture was picture of the year it's always something dark and depressing to make some people aware and i think it's some kind of a western thing because if you look for example in in asia those art pieces that i see like for example japan mm-hmm. is always so colorful and fun and amazing and wow makes people 
energetic and happy and in your face. So may, may, I don't know, maybe it's a it's a cultural thing. Yeah, I don't know. Of course, we don't live in Japan, so we're, we're no, not no, sure. No, no, no. It's just something I see. <laughs> and I do think, like, uh, I, I go to Leiden quite often because I really like the city and the, the musea in that city. Mm, I and love it. You have the, the Seabolt House in Leiden, mm-hmm. which is the Japan Museum there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Seabolt was like, I don't know who this guy was, but he went to Japan quite often and he brought back like maps and stuff from Japan. Mm-hmm. And he lived in Leiden, which is Japan's t- city of the Netherlands. And, Apparently. Yeah, and you have um, quite often like the work they show in the Seabolt house is like really weird and fun and interesting. Yeah, right? And and then they have this uh, exposition about kimonos or an exposition oh, about beautiful cats. And then it's like you have all these artists making incredibly weird and interesting stuff. And I just look at it and I'm like, I love this. I'm not sure if this is what art school would tell me that this is art. <laughs> Our art school can shove his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's uh, really interesting. And I've been definitely more into just making stuff that I enjoy making instead of thinking, is this art or is this not art? If you don't think about whether it's art or not and you just create, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> I wonder who those people are who are telling uh, artists that their stuff they're making isn't art. Like, why are you, what is your state of mind that you have to tell someone that that is not art? But it's also something that we grow up with, right? If you're, you meet yeah. your parents and you're painting at home, at mm-hmm. one point it's like, oh, your my child is so happy drawing his cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then at another point it becomes like, Oh, my child is an artist. So, and we don't really know where's the line. Uh, Something that I see a lot of people do. Oh, funny thing. I had this conversation with my mom a while back. Uh, A friend of mine started doing art not too long ago. Um, Mm -hmm. She started to get into art. And Mm -hmm. uh, she's been trying out all the new art supplies and all the stuff and... uh, been making really good steps drawing every day and my mom was like oh look at herself she is calling herself an artist while she's barely been doing it for three weeks and then I was like no mom that's great it's great that she's saying that she's an artist because I do feel like a lot of artists are saying oh I'm an art student I'm I'm still learning I'm not an artist and I feel Mm -hmm. like People should be proud of what they're making and say proudly, I'm an artist because there's nothing shameful about being art- an artist. And I was really happy like for my friend that's getting into art that she mm-hmm. calls herself an artist. And then good. And then my, my mom changed like and she was really thinking about this and she's like, yeah, actually, actually, you're right. And then the next next thing, I saw my mother like a couple of weeks after, and then she was talking about someone else and was like, yeah, she really, she she is 
so good in her work, but she keeps calling herself not an artist, Ellenlijk. <laughs> that is cute. Your mom is cute. <laughs> My mom is really good in listening and like thinking about it and changing her view. She's like really good in admitting if she's wrong and thinking mm-hmm. about it. I really respect mm-hmm. her. That's about her. That's like that's a, amazing. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I quite understand where her first reaction was coming from. Um, but no, aren't we always, as artists, aren't we always evolving and learning? For example, uh, you can start with watercolors and then suddenly you're trying to learn with gouache. Mm-hmm. Then you're still an artist, but you're still learning another medium. And that's definitely something I had when I got into ceramics. Because I am an illustrator, I'm an artist, and then I got into ceramics and I felt like a beginner. So I'm still an artist, but the work that I was making was really beginner. Mm-hmm. And I really had this, like, at, at a certain point I was like, oh, but I'm also a ceramic artist. Yeah. But it was really, because you're learning so many new things... I don't think the word artist has anything to do with skill. And if no, and I, I heard people say about being a professional artist that that has to do with its skill, but also not really. It has That's more not to true. Do, it has more to do with like mindset and dedication than it not has to do. Not only that, yeah. For me, for me, the word professional means nothing more than I get paid to do this then you are professional. If you get paid because uh, someone bought you bought a sticker or bought a print, then you are a professional artist because you get paid. Yeah, and even if you don't always get paid or if you are, for example, you want to work in the industry mm-hmm. and you aren't quite there yet, uh, but you are working towards it and you're training a lot for it, uh, then are you still a professional? Or are you a student? Yeah, good question. I've heard somebody approach it in like, if you have the uh, dedication to get out of your bed and work on your art every day, even though you cannot find a job, you're still a professional artist. But it's, yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like uh, having art as a profession means you need to get paid for it. Yeah. I don't get paid a lot for my art, but I still see art as my profession. Yeah. I, I So a lot of people think that I'm getting really rich of my ceramics. Like people don't know at all what you're earning from your uh, convention table or from your web shop. Like, oh my gosh, you told me from your last convention table. My God, it was expensive. Yeah, like the convention table was to get there was 400 euros. And then over the weekend, I sold for like 600, 700 euros. Uh, that's a lot of work to get like 300 euros profit. And you don't even have like the, the, the bought the things yet. You don't have other costs yet. It's just the convention table. But I don't get paid enough certainly to live off my art. But I still really try to see my art as my profession and I want to be professional and talk to my customers in a professional way and 
yeah, I don't know. I it's it's difficult. It's difficult, especially as a uh, small business owner mm-hmm. um, like you and I. We d- we are not the kind of artists who are working for a design company or uh, mm-hmm. a graphic design company or. Uh, you know, book publishers need a lot of illustrators for their children's books. We are not employed by these kinds of um, uh, companies. So therefore, it's harder for us to feel like a professional artist. Yeah, when you have to decide everything yourself and you're not actually sure whether you even would get hired for any of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's really... Yeah, I do think that at some point I was feeling confident enough that I would be able to pick up my sketchbook and work for a little while and get some things that I'm happy with. I think that was the point for me that I was starting to see myself as a professional artist. When I can be fairly sure that I can pick up my sketchbook and make something I'm happy with. And of Mm -hmm. course, like... uh, Half of the time I still make stuff that I'm not happy with. But that's also okay. That's part of the learning process. You you can still make mistakes and be a professional artist. <laughs> of course. But my question is then, like, um, aren't all artists, 80% of what they make, are not happy with it? Yeah, that's definitely true. Oh, something else that relates to this topic that we haven't really talked about yet. And I, I look at the timer and I see we don't have a lot of time yet. <laughs> but uh, something that I've been talking about with, with my partner is that um, it gets really hard when you're doing art as a profession and every work that you're making is to sell. Like at one point it becomes really difficult to say to yourself, okay, today I'm just going to make art for me or I'm going to make art to practice. Because if you're making art for your business or art to sell to others, then you're making directly money. Mm -hmm. But if you're making art to experiment, then you're not making money. But you're still like, it it gets really difficult. It's, 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 It's difficult. If you're talking about art, then yes, you are correct. Um, uh, but if we're talking about, like, for example, me as a maker, mm-hmm. um, no, I do not get paid for all the experiments I do, but I sometimes make little grab bags of all the experiments I have done. So, yeah, I then I do get paid for those experiments. Um, but those experiments, I my goal is not to sell these. My goal is to either have fun mixing pigments, see what happens, and if something good's out of it, maybe I will put it in the collection. Yeah. Um, but the pressure of making paints just to sell is quite different than making art just to sell. Yeah. For example, you you have your moon palace and you mm-hmm. know people love your moon palettes. Um, but what if you don't enjoy making them anymore? Yeah, and then it gets really... Uh, like, I know that if I sit down and make moon palettes, I'll probably make money. And 
I need to make money. And then yeah. if I sit down and experiment and see what happens, then there is a pretty high chance that I won't make the same amount or that I won't make money at all. Yeah. And when you're doing art as a profession, sometimes that becomes like a, a hard choice to make. Am I going to make money today or am I going to experiment and possibly develop as an artist? Yeah. And that's something I struggle with every day. Do you have something, do you have a schedule or do you just... I don't really have a schedule. I used to have a schedule, but then uh, my son was born. So mm -hmm. out of the window goes the schedule. Um, yeah. But of course, for example, I have my members every month. You have I, you get either a half pan of paint or a quarter pan of paint. And every month you get a different paint and people pay up front. Yeah. So for example, it's now it's now March, but they're still getting their paint from February. Yeah. Um, and I love doing that, but the the pressure of thinking about uh, the precious paint I'm going to pick. And if I pick them, are they going to like it? Uh, is everybody on board with this color? Uh, it's super expensive. Am I even getting uh, profits from this? Uh, because shipping is included. Oh, shipping prices have, have raised. Oh, shit, what I'm going to do? Uh, every month, it's a reoccurring thing. And I, like, I, I, I still enjoy doing this, but... I enjoy my own experimenting and my my collection that I drop whenever mm -hmm. I want to uh, and with the colors, whatever I want to. I enjoy that more than my members, but my members make sure uh, they make sure I can pay my bills. Yeah. And of course, it's also like if you're making stuff for your members, you don't want to make something that you've already made before. Exactly. Uh, and make something really similar to that, even though that might yeah. be something that you enjoy making. Exactly. And that can. And the funny yeah. thing is, I, th for this membership, I even made you made the rules yourself. Or you get precious paints or vintage or made out of crushed gemstones, uh, s single pigments, no mixes. These colors will never, oh, never. These colors won't be available in the shop, so they're super exclusive. Exclusive. So I make all these paints, and I always make extra. Uh, in case some of the paints uh, I mess up. And then I always have like five half pans extra that I cannot put in the shop because that takes away the exclusive... Exclusive... Ex <clears throat> that takes away <laughs> the exclusiveness of being a member. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something. And also, if you don't feel like making art or if you don't really... If you're not enjoying it, you still have to do it. And exactly. that's also like what being an artist as your job is. Mm -hmm. And maybe everybody can say something about whether it's still art or not. Uh, yeah. I think it's part of the process. Everybody's going to have parts about what they do that they don't love. And... Everybody can have an opinion whether about that's art or it's not art. But uh, to be honest, I don't really care. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe I don't really that's care. the I thing don't. that I take uh, from this uh, talk is if something is art or not, I don't care. I just want to enjoy what I do. And sometimes I don't enjoy it. And then it's just a job. That's also fine. 
<laughs> that is, and I think that's exactly how we should approach it. Like sometimes I see on Instagram, I see artists um, want to do one hundred percent. I only want to do, I only want to do things that I love. And then weeks later, they're kind of struggling because, like everybody else in the world, they gotta pay the bills. Yeah. And then they they they're taking a side job, and then it's like, I have less time for my art. Yeah, and that is that that sucks. But if if we're only gonna do exclusively everything that we love to do to mm-hmm. make yourself happy, which is great, um, I think we have to wait until art all artists are super millionaires somehow, and then we have the time in the world to do everything that we just want to do. Yeah. But meantime, we gotta pay the bills. And if your um, like own mind is, if you're so in your head that you have to be a true artist and you have to make true art, and that's stopping you from creating, because every time you look at your own work and you're like, "This is not art," then that can become like really hurtful for your grow as a person and as an artist. So if you're somebody that has been with this in your mind and you haven't created in weeks because you only want to make real art and you don't want to make something that's not art, I think it's best if you just get some pencils and get some paints and scribble Mm -hmm. all over an expensive piece of paper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Use all the pretty art supplies and make something that's as not art as you can make it. Yes, and don't feel like you have to post it anywhere. It's just for you. Yeah, and just try to be kind to yourself. And also, if you're not enjoying it, it's okay, but also try to enjoy it. It's really difficult. I've seen a lot of my friends definitely recently struggle with this. And I just want to tell you that it's okay if what you're making, if you don't feel like it's art, you can still make things and enjoy it and have fun with it. And sometimes you make something that you like and sometimes you make some art on accident and sometimes it's not art. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Especially the, the one, the one thing you said about, you know, if it's, if you feel like it's not art, then it's not art. Just rip it apart, throw it away, put it somewhere. I don't really care. Just don't let that feeling uh, suck you dry. Or, or force your parents to put it on their fridge. <laughs> force your parents to put it on the fridge. Yes, force your parents to put it on the fridge. Keep telling them that it is art, even though you know it's not art, and then laugh in their it's face about it. beautiful. <laughs> That's something that I'm gonna do. My, my father has a card on his fridge, and it's it says... Um, is this art or can I throw it away? That is so cute. <laughs> my mom and my dad, we never put up my art anywhere in the house because my mom always said it looked very cluttered. If, you know, if there's art on the wall anywhere, mm-hmm. it, it was always neatly packed away in a little in a little folder where nobody could see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, when I was really little, I drew like... Um, Kicker drill. Oh, I yeah. don't know the English word for this. It's like frog eggs. 
Yeah, the slimy frog egg. I don't know what's what's it in English. Slimy frog eggs, and <laughs> I, I drew that, and then I didn't really think about it. I was like four, and it was a drawing, so it didn't matter to me whether it was art or not. And then my mom was like, "Oh, this is so beautiful," Aww. and and she was like making all new art pieces based on my frog eggs that I drew. <laughs> <gasps> that is so cute. I once saw someone on Instagram. I think it was TikTok, but it was it was uploaded on Instagram. Their kid was making uh, drawings of like uh, funny yeah creatures i want to say like purple monkey with a sock on its head and like little monsters but cute mm -hmm. and then the the dad actually uh made uh plushies all based on those drawings oh, that's it was so amazing cool. it was so cool it's like his image in in his child's head that he put on paper it it really came to life and then he he filmed the unboxing and you see the child looking at the plushie and then running to his room get the <laughs> get the drawing out of the wall it was like that's him that's him oh my god and, and that's amazing because that's a really good example of like pure creation yes. with people that don't care about whether something is like a deep meaningful art piece or mm -hmm. if it's just like they were like this is fun, let's do this. And I think that's great. And I think that's great. And that is why it's important that we as grown-ups, somewhere in our upbringing, we lost it. Yeah. And I think we sometimes just need to go back and just, like you said, scribble with you all your art supplies that you have. Get some pencils, scribble away, do what makes you happy, let your imagination flow, and don't care if it's art or not. If you had fun, that's good enough. All right. I think that's... Uh quite it we are recording for about an hour so let's wrap it up anything you want I to say i had so much fun yes i had so much fun and i was wondering the the what did you say drink and draw draw and drink yeah drink and draw drink and draw is this something that the people who are listening or watching can join uh no the drink and draws that i've been doing is just like um, on location, I guess that if you're in Tilburg or near Tilburg in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. you can join my Discord. I will leave, leave a link in the description. And in the Discord, we will be doing uh, this, like regular meetups in cafes and we'll be doing spontaneous meetups where oh, people can like just fun. say like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to the library. Does anybody want to go with me and draw? So if you're like from here, then you can join. Uh, I do know there are some drawing groups that are online, but I don't know any of them. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. If you want to start one, feel free. You can you can do so. Yeah. Great. All right. Uh, we'll wrap it up and we'll see you in the next one. See you in the next time. And if you have any comments or suggestions, leave them in the comments. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.